0: Hello and welcome to Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood, and I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout, late-night meals. I'd like to thank my sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Tennessee Pre, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement. For the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game, there's none better than Steve's Skull Smash. And if you're looking to hit a brutal pull and need that added grip, Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. If you're like me and you want that focus boost in your training without the caffeine crash, then Tennessee Pre is the pre-workout for you. And I'll swear by this, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who do you ill is a vital part of my training. And you can head over to any of their Instagram pages to get some products. This afternoon, I'm sitting down with Ian Daniel, the only CrossFit Games athlete ever to total 2,000 pounds across the squat, bench, and deadlift. Affectionately referred to as the rhino, Ian's natural ability in the sumo deadlift is a sight to behold, even when it's for a parlor trick, high-handle, 900-pound trap bar deadlift. You aren't going to want to miss a single moment of this episode as we talk training, nutrition, and why the body positivity movement sucks. So sit back, relax, and let's dive
1: in. Uh, Ian, what's going on? Hey, man. uh, Hey, Moses. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And that was a pretty solid intro. I'll give you credit for that. (laughs) (laughs) I I said,
0: I pride myself on trying to find random things to get the person laughing before it gets started to break that up. Yeah, ice. yeah, I uh, feel you. <laughs> well, I, I remember when you did that, your so-called parlor trick, <laughs> uh, back at the old hybrid gym. And yeah. you're like, man, I don't even know if I should count this, but it's a 250-pound PR. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, who,
1: like, that lift, the, the trap bar deadlift from high handles, and it's like, I'm short as it is. And so all I have to do is kind of throw my hips forward and I'm already in like a quarter squat and as like, I just attach my hands to the bar with some straps or rope or duct tape or whatever the hell, so it can't come out. And it's like, whatever I, whatever I wedge my body into, I'm going to get up. It's just like, all right, how, how crazy do I want to get with this? How much do I want to risk my, my lumbar spine? (laughs)
0: Right, and there's that split second of just seeing all of the blood in your entire body rushing to your yeah. head, and slowly being like a
1: beat, you know, as you're standing. Yeah, up. we 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 uh, got to the point where I think we had filled up the the bar with all manner of random ass weight, and then we 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 like calculated out, and it was like eight ninety seven. So we we're like, all right, let's throw like some one point two five kilos. We'll we'll just balance them on the top. <laughs>
0: Sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do to make sure you get enough weight yeah. on it. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. That. Um, that's awesome. Well, so um, for those that don't know who you are, I uh, just wonder if you could offer a little bit of a brief background. You know how you got started into into CrossFit, into powerlifting, and how you jumped into the fitness
1: industry as a whole. Yeah, sure, man. Um, well, just to to keep it simple, I'm I've been a lifelong athlete. Uh, I started out playing. Uh, very, very multi-sport athlete. I started out playing soccer, baseball, a little bit of basketball as a kid. Um, in middle school, I got more into contact sports and football. started lifting when I was like 11, 12 years old. Um, when I was 12, I was benching like 230, 240 pounds. Um I was pretty strong as a as a kid. And then uh, that kind of benefit, benefited me in sports. Um, and I kind of always like the strength and conditioning aspect of sport, like on the side, was always something I was very passionate about, and it just so happened to, you know, make me above average at whatever sport I played, because I was always more developed than the other kids. Um, and then in high school, you know, I got into, I was still in football and kind of decided that it wasn't for me because I was a hard worker and not a whole, not a whole lot of the other kids on the team were hard workers, and I didn't really like that because it was a team sport and I kind of felt like I was the only one putting an effort. So I kind of got more involved in wrestling and just lifting in general, uh, Olympic weightlifting a little bit because I had some experience uh, in that from the sport specific training I was doing uh, on the side for football where they're big into hang cleans and sprinting and squatting and all kind of, benching and all that stuff. And then from there, I went to college, graduated high school, went to college, and I was like, all right, well, shit, no more team sports through school. You know, I I could have probably gone to, you know, like a D2 or D3 school for football. I had a few offers, Um, but it was like, all right, you know, that's like, that's just a risk for injury at this point. I was pretty practical. You know, I was like, if I'm not going to the NFL, I'm intelligent enough to where I can go to school for something. And not need, you know, to go to like a kind of a smaller school for, for a scholarship. I I already had some scholarships for academic purposes. And so, um, so I went to college and I was like, all right, well, I need a physical outlet. Like I need to be doing something. And I I, right. I dabbled in I dabbled in MMA for maybe a month and that was cool until my mom found out and she said she she <laughs> said she uh, she was I wasn't gonna get anything for Christmas if she found out I kept doing that after she told after after she after she, <laughs> she told me how much money she spent for me to have braces and told me like sent me a bunch of research on CTE for <laughs> your brain and shit like that I was like I was like all right fine mom fine you know and, and so that was when I found CrossFit. I kind of dabbled in it around maybe 2009, 2010, but kind of not really at a high degree. I was just like, oh, this is cool. And I did it for a little bit and kind of was like, wasn't really into it. And then I got involved. I got kind of back into it about a year later. Whenever I saw some stuff on Instagram, like I started an Instagram account. I knew some, I saw some buddies in a gym and I was lifting and whatever, kind of trying to find a little bit of purpose outside of school and uh and they they showed me a video of this guy doing like fran or something and it was it was this guy named chris spieler he was a popular crossfit athlete i'm sure some of you guys have heard of him uh some of you guys listening and so i did the workout and i i beat his time by like 20 seconds i th- I, I think the first time i ever did fran i did it in maybe like two minutes and 10 seconds or two minutes and 20 seconds and this was back in like 2011 or so when that was like an insanely fast time for that workout. I was like, holy shit, this guy's kind of famous. And I just beat him. I was like, I was like, <laughs> right. uh, OK, I was like I, I kind of hooked me a little bit. And so I started lifting. I found a local gym to go to. Uh, I was living in Jacksonville at the time, uh, part of University of North Florida. And they had like this really tiny, quote unquote, CrossFit club that um, that like, gave us a discount at the gym. So I started going to that and um, kind of joined this big crew of bros. And it was kind of like my my first introduction to the the whole bro fest and lifting on Saturdays, sweaty as shit, you know, in a gym with no AC, right. you know, dudes deadlift picking up 500 pounds. And I like that was insane to me. I've never seen that. I was like, who can pick up 500 pounds? This is wild. I didn't know about powerlifting, you know. Wow and uh long story short that kind of got me into competing crossfit i qualified for regionals after i think two or three months of just going to that gym they had to open and i I qualified as an individual like i i started it i started at that gym with, with i think a 400 pound like a 385 or 400 pound squat and a pretty similar deadlift um i i was snatching like in the first month i was snatching 225 and clean and jerking 275 i, I weighed around it's pretty light at the time i weighed around like 190 i think um and so I was much lighter than I, I am now and qualified for regionals went to regionals i was a very small fish in a big pond there and it was kind of like a reality mm-hmm. check to me like holy shit like Either you need to just find something else or you need to step it up a notch. <laughs> and so I, ste- right, I, I stepped right. it up a notch because I'm kind of a, me as a person, I'm kind of someone who, like, I don't back down. And and so I don't back down to a challenge. I don't back down to people. Like, you know, if something is big and it's in my way, then I'm going to get bigger, if that makes sense. And so, um, so we did that training, you know, in- intensified. I did a competition, my first like local competition against some regional athletes, and I ended up coming in first beating some guys and it was like i didn't really think I was much at the time, and it's kind of been like a bit of a pervasive mindset for me my whole career even up until now, like giving myself credit for things and after I was able to I, I was able to win, I came in first, beat these guys that I thought were just insane athletes, and I was like, "Wait, does this mean I'm good?" and and so i just kept training and for the next few years after that i did probably 30 or 40 kind of local crossfit competitions when those were pretty booming and the sport was kind of in its heyday mm-hmm. and i, pod- I podiumed uh, first second or third in almost all of them except for some of the bigger ones like Wadapalooza. like basically i was podium mm-hmm. i was hitting podium on all of them unless they were like one of a higher end competition then i was usually like top 10 to get some of the higher level athletes and then uh, disappeared for about a year, um, got my BSN, and uh, I worked a night shift job for a year. And I, I know how the body functions enough to know that I wasn't going to be in, able to compete at the level I would want to when I was stay, staying up all night. Mm-hmm. And my, my circadian rhythm was kind of fucked. And so um, mm-hmm. so I kind of just took a step back from competing, kind of disappeared from the scene. And that was kind of my first experience with being out of the spotlight. And so it was kind of humbling, you know, people kind of forget who you are. I was I was making way more money because I was working a real job, um, had benefits and I was learning things, you know, academically and in my career as a as a RN um, at the time. And after about a year of that, I was a little burnt out on it because I started in critical care and I was at a night, sh- a night shift mm-hmm. job in critical care and understaffed general ICU with no intensivist. For those of you with a medical background that are listening, and it was pretty extremely stressful. The learning curve was high. I learned a lot uh, very quickly, but I was also put in some very dangerous situations as a new nurse. And at, at about the year mark that I was there, I was like, I was intelligent enough to know that like that wasn't where I needed to be long-term. Ended up finding a day shift job and coincidentally right around that time, I linked up with uh, Hustle Hard CrossFit, uh, Pierre Suero and his wife, Pam Tambini, shout out to them. Um, and they said, Hey man, uh, we want to go to the CrossFit games again. Do you want to be a part of our team? We know you're pretty good and you lived in the area. And I was like, Oh fuck yeah, dude. And it's history from there, man. We trained hard as shit for two years, qualified two years back to back. And that point in time was 2016, 2017. And I would say that that was the most arduous and intense training of my entire life. And I, I highly Mm -hmm. doubt I will ever train that hard again in my entire life. I was, I was 26 or 27, I was 26, 27 at the time. So I was in that like physical peak where you can literally go hard every single day. Like your body still has, like, I had a high training age, but I wasn't at like this point where I'm now like 29, 30 ish, where like, I have the aches and pains that I have to be smart about. I can still lift heavy. I'm way Mm -hmm. stronger now than I was then, but then I could, I could still train a little stupid and get away with it. And that was kind of the point that I needed to be at for that kind of training because man, we just, we did stupid shit. The amount we trained, like I, the first year was just insanely hellishly hard and, you know, training six days a week, four, five, six hours a day, like it was brutal, man. And, and heat in like 110 degree heat index, like bordering on heat stroke. Um, you know, we had to be dumping ice water on us at all times and weight vests and the hot sun. Like it was brutal, man. But the fi- the second year, um, the second year, 2017, I got more intelligent about it. And I got a lot smarter about things. And I changed my whole training style around. And ended up being in literally the best fitness that I'll probably ever be in ever across the board for that 2017 season. I think at the time, all at once, like across the board, I think I was running close to a six-minute mile. I was squatting low 600s as a CrossFit athlete uh, in sleeves. I was deadlifting close to 700 pounds um, sumo i think mid six is like 640 650 conventional-ish around there benching close to 400 pounds i could do nearly 20 muscle ups um i was rowing like a around a six six minute 40 second 2000 meter row um and then i squatted two i weighed about 220 220 pounds and i squatted my body weight, which I think I put 225 on a safety squat bar because I was getting blood pressure issues in my head when I was trying to do this, Mm -hmm. I squatted 225, I think for 101 reps straight without, without stopping. And I, I think that like out of all the things that was probably one of the most insane things I did that when I tell people, they're like, oh, wait, what? You did a, you did an eight minute long set with 225 and you did it for how many reps? And and the crazy thing about that was was that I think I, I, I could have kept going. I I'm pretty sure I could have. Mm-hmm. A little bit after, like maybe ten to fifteen minutes after I got done, my legs did start to want to cramp on me a little bit. But I probably could have right. gone and around a, I, I estimate around a 130 to 150 before I think a cramp would have set in.
0: And I don't think people realize how ridiculous yeah. that is. Like, cause in, in your head, like I'm the type of person that can think about something and be like, oh yeah, like 225. Yeah, like I can turn mm. that out for hundred reps. Like in my head, I'm mm. like, that feels fine. Cause I'm like, I mm-hmm. can do hundred air squats. But then you think about it and you're like, holy what, shit. <laughs> like the, the, just the amount what, of- What
1: it that is, that is after about like your first, anyone can knock out 10 to 20 reps with 225, just fine. But But what happens right. is right around 20 to 25 to 30, once you get out of that initial sprint, after about a minute, that's when your heart rate sets in because it's all energy systems, man, right? So, for about like the 10 to 20 second mark, is when your creatine phosphate system is kind of the main source of energy and you have all that ATP available. To just, you know, that's like a 100 meter spread. And that, you don't need, you don't breathe hard for that. You don't even feel any lactic acid buildup from that. And then you enter into that kind of lactic acid pathway, that one to two minute anaerobic threshold pathway where you're you start to get that burn in your muscles and you can kind of hit max output for like, you know, one to two minutes or very close to it, like 80, 90 percent effort. And then your aerobic pathway kicks in. Obviously, all these are happening at once, but it's like a very, it's like a biased transition where you start out in one and then you start to slowly move to the other, other end of the spectrum. Obviously, your aerobic pathway is working the whole time, but you don't, you shift from a priority of one kind of across the spectrum to the other. So right around that one to two minute mark, depending on how well adapted you are, then your aerobic pathway kick kicks in. And then you're at like rep 30, maybe rep 40, and you're not even halfway yet. And you still have 60 to 70 reps yet, you know, left. And you're, you, the time under tension on your body is requiring a shit ton of oxygen. And you're having to breathe and aerobically manage 225 pound squats for the next six or seven minutes to get to 100. And, and that's, that's where a lot of people, that's where they can't, they're, they're not conditioned enough and they're not strong enough at the same time to where 225 is easy enough to where they can do three reps, stop, and their heart rate spikes to 160 and then they stop and they hold it for a second. Their, their cardiovascular system is not efficient enough and the weight isn't light enough for them to stand there with the bar on their back and their heart rate kind of drop back down to 150 where then they can hit another three reps, and then it spikes back up to 160, they rest, then it drops back down to 150, if you were to imagine like a line graph, you know, and that's where Mm -hmm. basically I hovered for about eight minutes, spiking up above my lactate threshold, and then standing there for a few minutes, and then it kind of calming back down.
0: That's just so wild. Like, I, I just got this image of you standing in, the, in a squat yeah. rack for 10 minutes just consistently. Cause it yeah, just, just gasping, so man.
1: <laughs> gasping for air. Well.
0: Just, yeah, because there's there's a point there where it's not even like a game of just like, oh, man, I feel great. It's a no. Like At this point, yeah. I just got to finish this damn thing. Yeah. Like, I committed. And then one more <laughs> for committed. good measure
1: in case I missed a rep and lost count. Because if I had stopped at 99 thinking it was 100, I would have killed myself. but oh
0: absolutely because at that point you're like did i really just waste that
1: much because you're not gonna go back in and do it yet yeah so so that was actually at hybrid 1.0 that was after the 2017 games and that was when i decided that i was kind of done with crossfit i had already kind of i felt to me like i had done everything i could do in crossfit it was like all right if i really wanted to be good as an individual because because i was competing on a team I would need to lose weight and lose muscle and essentially get weaker to be better at running and all the gymnastics. I would have needed to lose like 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. and I just didn't know how to make that possible other than if I just went pure endurance athlete and lifted like once every two weeks because I was already only lifting one day a week. The other other five to six days of training, I was doing gymnastics, uh, distance swimming, running you know, endless amounts on the true form. I was logging like 10 miles on the week, maybe three on the road and seven on the true form. Um, And then I was rowing at least 20 to 30,000 meters a week. Um, A ton of work on the assault bike, Um, obviously gymnastics practice and a lot of accessory work and a lot of sled work, sled dragging. It's only lifting one day a week. And so I was kind of fighting my body's capacity for strength. And I was trying to, I was basically pushing myself to a level of elite performance at something I wasn't predisposed to be good at. And so after that, I was like, all right, well, um, I know these people, they asked me to come work for them because I'm good at what I do. So let's move to Miami, you know, let's, let's uh, pursue powerlifting. It seems pretty cool. It seems like a little bit more of a, not necessarily relaxed, like more relaxed in some aspects, more intense than in others. The training requirement sure. was much less than CrossFit. So I wanted, I was at that point in my life. I was about 27 at the time, a few years back. And I was at the point in my life where it's like, all right, I'm going to be 30 in three years. I need to start saving money. I need to get my shit together. Like, I want to buy a house, you know, as a young adult. Like, you know, it's time to bring a little bit of balance back into my life because my life was extremely unbalanced in favor of being an athlete and competition and that whole scene. And so powerlifting, Kind of came naturally, man. um, It took a little bit of learning for me to do away with the intensity every day mindset of CrossFit because I did get hurt pretty, like pretty frequently, not regulating my intensity good enough in powerlifting. I thought that I was supposed to be hitting maxes every day and, you know, I got a lot of aches and pains real quickly. And so that's been probably the biggest learning experience for me. But I I started powerlifting with a 1600 total as a one, as a 90 kilo athlete. And then pretty quickly, I think I did another meet as a, around the same strength level or the same weight as like did 1640 kind of without training for it. And then I actually started training for it, and then I did another two twenty meat, uh, hundred kilo meat, and I got eighteen thirteen in sleeves. And then I did a wrapped meat uh, after that, pretty recently, and I got nineteen oh one in sleeves. And then this last February, I did my most recent wrapped meat, and I got two thousand one in. Uh, or no, I did nineteen oh one wraps, and then I got two thousand one wraps.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you've. Over the last few years, I mean, you've racked up quite the repertoire of competing. You know, it, it's I, – and I, I think people can forget how taxing that is as well. Like, I know for a lot of people who aren't a part of the competitive powerlifting scene, uh, I remember when I first told my parents, you know, that I was competing mm. for my college. And they are like, well, what do you mean you're only yeah. competing mm-hmm. once, like a year? And I was like, well, if I were to compete yeah. on a Saturday, like a football game, and then go compete the next Saturday – I'm not going to be no, man. Than I did
1: the week before. No, I'd strength is such a gradual work. process. Like I, I think a lot of people, and, and it's a it's a learning experience for a lot of people because a lot of people come to powerlifting having competed before, and they used to playing. You know, if if you're a football player, if you're a soccer player, you are used to competing every weekend, and the concept of actually competing once or twice a year is very foreign to people but once you kind of understand the physiology of strength and how it happens and kind of the process your body has to go through to get strong and to be maximally strong, you know, the periodization associated with it, the diet, the lifestyle, it starts to make sense to them. And you know, you're building and you're causing damage to your body. A lot of people don't think about that aspect of it. You're, you know, these maximal lifts, once you get once you get strong to a certain point like there's a bell curve where when you're new to exercise and you're sedentary, you know, it's unhealthy to be sedentary and there's kind of a bell curve where there's an optimal level of like strength and fitness where it's very healthy for you. Lifting weights is healthy for you. And then once you get to powerlifting, a lot of people don't realize that like to get a 500 Wilkes or above, like it may or may not be so healthy. Like depending on how you do, depending on how you get there and how you train, How intensely you train, how how much you rest, how patient you are to get there, if you try to rush it from a four to a five hundred plus Wilkes in a year, or if you spread it out over one, two, three years, like the process and how you get there and how frequently you compete is gonna kind of be a huge predictor of your longevity in the sport.
0: Yeah. Well, along that same kind of track, uh, you know, we see and even in the last couple of years which is the amount of growth mm-hmm. that the fitness industry has seen, just even in, in press coverage in, um, you know, ex football players, basketball players jumping in that the amount of yeah. competitors has skyrocketed, uh, which, which is awesome. But with that brings the oh, windfall yeah. of a lot of misinformation. Um, and especially with Instagram, I mean, all it takes is clicking the comments of one person's post <laughs> to see some idiot yeah. carpet on about something and have to be like, dude, that's not true. And so, I wonder what, what, on two sides, we'll jump to the first one, with training for beginners. You know, I, I would still call myself a beginner. Sure, I've competed a few times, but that doesn't mean anything versus an elite level lifter. What are the biggest mistakes that you see from beginners, especially when they're trying to achieve those elite totals? They have those lofty goals but they get trapped in these windfalls. Like um, the I would say probably
1: this. there's a few that I'll, there, there's a ton, but I think for the sake of time, this podcast, I'll talk sure. about like sure. maybe one, two or three of them. I would say the first one that I sure. see most from beginners is that they don't understand the bigger picture as far as what is involved to get stronger. Most beginners start out and they mm-hmm. only focus on training when in reality, training to me is like maybe 20, per, 20 30% of the equation. Um, training Absolutely. people, you know, people that are new to powerlifting and, you know, maybe people that have a job that doesn't involve health, doesn't involve fitness, isn't in the medical world. They don't have the education. They don't have the foundational knowledge to kind of understand what you're doing. Training is aggravating the stress response. That's, that's all it is. You're, you're aggravating a very specific stress response in your body. You're causing your body a stress. Your body is adapting to that stress. If you don't stress it enough, you won't get results. If you stress it too much, you will hurt yourself. That is all training is what they, what they don't understand is that Mm -hmm. the whole other part of the picture, the other 70, 80% of the equation is how much you sleep every night. It's what you put in your body. It's what you eat. It is the stress level that you experience during your day cumulatively from your job, from your relationships, from your friendships, you know, from your schedule, from your kids. It, it is all of that. And once you kind of, you know, it's your, it's your actual physical health. Do you have any underlying medical conditions? Like, do you have suboptimal hormone levels? How old are you? Like, are, do you have injuries? Like, have you been in a car accident? You know, is, is your posture terrible? Like all of that is going to be the limiting factor as to how strong you can get from the stimulus you are doing several times a week when you get under the barbell, and most beginners don't understand right. that, and they go into these, you know, they'll go, they'll, they'll, their buddy will get them to do a powerlifting meet prep, and like, yeah, just from the stimulus alone, you'll get stronger. Everyone has newbie gains. You know, but they're going to hit a plateau really mm-hmm. damn quickly. And they don't, they, you know, it's, it, mm-hmm. they don't understand that you can't get strong on four to five hours of sleep at night. You can't get strong when you're eating 80 grams of protein a day. And, you know, and you can't get strong when you're, you know, you're super stressed all the time because you're in a terrible relationship that you probably shouldn't be in. You know, that like all those things affect right. you. So I would say that is one of the biggest ones right off the bat. Um, I would say probably, uh, mm-hmm. another misconception would be how I would say probably the second one I would talk about would be, um, how people train if they're new. Um, I think it's very easy for people to, and this kind of goes hand in hand with the goals people set. I think in today's day and age, social media, the popular people are more often than not people who are pretty elite. Because, you know, people want to follow, people want to see Mm -hmm. the freaks, people want to see the people doing these massive unreal lifts, people want to see people pulling deadlifts with seven, eight, nine pounds plates on either side. And so people look at that, they say, I want to do that. And, you know, we have, we're in a culture of instant gratification. And so people don't understand that that is like a 10, 15, 20, or maybe even impossible road for them, depending on who they are. And so immediately Mm -hmm. they start out and they don't make the kind of progress that they feel like they need to make to deadlift 800 pounds a year into their journey. And so they get discouraged and they quit. So unrealistic goals is probably one of the big, I work with quite a few clients as far as training and nutrition. And unrealistic goals is probably the number one thing that I address with every single person that I start working with from fat loss to strength to muscle gain to, you know, anything and everything in between. Every time someone comes to me initially and they want to work with me and they say, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds of fat, gain 10 pounds of muscle, and I want to add 100 pounds to my deadlift in a year. And I say, hey, man, like. Even with steroids, <laughs> that is impossible. <laughs> First off, I have to tell yeah. them, I have to say the goals you're setting are like basically a steroid cycle. And even with that, you probably won't be able to do that in the time frame you want to do that in, you know? And, and right. so unrealistic goals and, and, you know, people not knowing how to train people, you know, people starting out and it's like, if you have no training age, or if you're younger, like if you're maybe, maybe with, you know, under 20 or under 18, like a lot of it depends on training age. Cause I was lifting pretty heavy when I was 18 to 20, but I already had six years under my belt at that point. So it really comes down like age is an, mm. is kind of important. It can kind of be a predictor, but what really is important is training age and how much kind of consistency and time under the bar you've had on your body because Weight on your body, skeletal loading causes adaptation from more than just um, a skeletal muscle standpoint. Your bones get stronger, your tendons get stronger, your ligaments get stronger, your fucking, your mind gets stronger to understand how your body works. You learn yourself, you learn your body, you get experienced. Like, cumulatively, your whole human organism from a mental to a physical standpoint adapts over time. And and so, you know, maybe like some people go right off the bat into a powerlifting meat prep just because, you know, that's better than sitting on a couch. Would I recommend that for a completely sedentary mm-hmm. person whose friend powerlifts and they just say, Hey, go into meat prep when you're not, you know, used to this shit. Like, is that is that better? Yes. Would I recommend it? Probably not. I'd probably recommend you just body build for like a year or two just train hypertrophy learn your body learn yourself get your habits dialed in start to develop some healthy habits develop a healthy diet and you know for someone new like like easing into it having some accountability you know maybe working with someone if you're not you know if you're if you don't really know what you're doing there's a bazillion programs that have very knowledgeable coaches these days. I'm one of them. (laughs) And, and that can really save you (laughs) say the new person or even an intermediate person or an experienced person. Like it's a never ending journey, you know, this whole health and fitness strength thing. Mm -hmm. Like at any point, I don't care who you are. There's always something to learn and, and working with someone no matter who they are is always going to offer a different perspective. It's going to save you a lot of guesswork It's going to save you a ton of trial and error. You know, I never, I never, man, I never had anyone to, to kind of steer me away from all these pitfalls and mistakes. And like, thank God I'm smart. And I kind of worked my way around them and learned for myself. But like, dude, if I, like, if I grew up in like the Instagram day and age, which I kind of did, but it's only been the last three, four years that I feel like all this shit has really taken off. If I had that when I was a teenager or even early 20s, mm-hmm. all these resources that are just out there for reasonable prices or even free, dude, I, it would have saved me so much trial and error, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, and, and, and you mentioned something interesting there in that there, there's that positive element that absolutely like the, the, the social media, mm-hmm. the, the access mm-hmm. to information, even access to athletes, because all you really have yeah. to do is slide into their DMs. Or something exactly. That's not man. ignorant, and usually they're going to respond. Uh, that that's the positive that we see mm-hmm. the the wonderful things that that can bring. But on the flip side of that, we we do see yep. the, the idiots. We see the stupidity. We see the the, the mass information that's turned mm-hmm. out that's been biased, that's been manipulated, uh, and distorts truth. But. At that same
1: time, and this
0: is the hot topic I knew I really wanted to hit with you, that I think this generation of instant gratification is used to (laughs) just being applauded for everything. Everything they do, they get a little uh, award. I remember when I was a kid and I played uh, rec league soccer back when I actually had working cardiovasculars. Um, that uh, they always wanted to give an award to everybody. Everyone got the participation trophy, so they got used to getting a pat on the back regardless of whether they were the worst player on the team mm. or whether they carried the team all the way through the championship. And we, I, I think we see that a lot with yep. people's weight and how they look, that now people are expecting to be applauded regardless of mm. whether they're brutally anorexic and unhealthy or they're morbidly obese and unhealthy. And I know recently you mentioned, hey, the body positivity movement is bullshit, and here's why. And I really wanted to hammer into that with you and just get your thoughts, you know, because it is something that I feel like is running rampant that people just expect yeah, to be and, and, and I'm going to
1: say you. something that goes across the board, that goes not only for that, it literally goes for every human who is on the internet or on Instagram. If you lack confidence and you lack self-esteem, don't post shit on the internet. Like, let that sink in for a second, because you are literally putting a video out there of you, you're exposing yourself and all your vulnerability to any Joe Schmo who wants to say whatever the hell they can say to you, unless you set, unless you set certain privacy settings yeah. in which... There's no point in posting it anyways because nobody can see it. And that's the purpose. You're posting something so people can see it. But like, you have to understand that anyone, anywhere can say anything that they want to you. And there is no negative repercussions to them. And so, like, if you don't, if you're not a confident right. individual, you're literally just like putting your shit out there to get ripped apart. And it's like, if you like, And and I don't like to say this, but I think there's more ignorant people out there than intelligent people, just from my experience and kind of people out there. There's a lot of sharks out there looking to take advantage of people that aren't as intelligent as they are, aren't as, aren't as clever as they are. You know, that's, that's kind of my experience with the fitness industry. And unfortunately, and it's like, it's like, you know, I try to carry myself in a way that, that I'm not one of those people and I'm, I try to build my brand and my platform on being real and super honest with people. If you DM me, I'm, you're probably going to get like a 30 second to a minute long voice response because I hate typing. I hate, I hate, I hate staring at a screen. I hate typing. You know, I do it enough during the day and voice memos are God's gift to the earth. Uh, And, and so like, if you reach out to me and you ask (laughs) me something, I'm going to give you a damn honest answer to the point that I'm going to say I don't I don't yeah. I'm I'm going to say these are the challenges you're facing. I won't tell you you can't do it cuz that's fucked cuz then you'll then maybe you'll prove me wrong whatever, but I will tell you this is where you are, this is where you need to be and these are the challenges that you're facing and you have to be comfortable with wrapping your mind around doing this for this period of time because that's how you get there. And and a lot of fitness, a lot, a lot of people out there that own companies and run brands sell this side, like they sell themselves because that's social media. You're selling yourself, you're selling your brand. But there's a lot of people out there that are extremely disingenuous selling this idea that you can get to where they are with their 12-week plan when that's just not the case, you know? But back, back I was a little bit of a okay. rabbit hole, a little bit of a rant. Back to bot back to body positivity that is people exposing themselves to to get shots taken at them and they don't they're obviously people who lack confidence and lack self-esteem and maybe they're posting shit for love and for you know acceptance and for validation and they're not getting it and so you know so it sucks to them you know like it hurts their feelings obviously but you know that that's where you have then then you have people who maybe struggle with those issues, who may be more famous or more well known, and it's not to say take a knock at any of their personalities or their characters, people, you know, maybe they just struggle with food, maybe they struggle with stress eating. Every person has their own challenge, but then you know the the mistake you know with that specific issue is when you try to make you try to preach that it's okay. And that like, you know, if someone has issues Mm -hmm. with food, if someone has issues, stress eating or binge eating, like, you know, work with someone like that's like, there's, like I said, there's plenty of people you can work with. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody has struggles that they face. Everybody has character flaws doesn't mean people are bad people if they struggle with that. Like, Mm -hmm. let's make that clear. I work with a ton of people that fight those issues. They're fucking awesome people. I'm friends with them. The, the, the thing that is wrong to do is to preach that that is, that to, to preach that you should accept being that way. Because there's people out there that want to change that people in authority positions or people that have a platform or a voice, are not being the role models or not, you know, they're not conveying the sense that like, you know, this is unhealthy, you know, that this is bad for my health, that this could limit my life expectancy, that diabetes is not something that you want. And they're condoning that to very impressionable young people that like being sedentary and and in overconsumption of calories and a very poor diet is okay. And it's like, I highly disagree with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, if there's one thing that pisses me off, man, yeah. it's when people in authority positions or people with an audience or a platform abuse that. Like that to me is a privilege, you know? And, and, and the shitty thing is, is mm-hmm. that there's so many people that have that nowadays that do that. It's just like, you know, it's a damn shame in my opinion. Yeah
0: well, and I, and I think you know in the last year or so, I mean everyone mm-hmm. at least even if they're not on it has heard of TikTok and they've been in some way you know involved with it, whether it's been just for being like, oh, this is random, but I guess teenagers are all over it. But even like you know as I've, I just graduated you know a few weeks ago of all these college students you know jumping onto it and one of the most frequent things that I've started to see, is that it is it's these morbidly obese these very unhealthy people posting these quote-unquote confident things of just being like <laughs> you guys are just upset because you can't handle me and and then people being like what <laughs> And just like reading these comments and people be like what do you mean i can't handle like and so it, it it turns into a situation of it's it's almost like they're not even looking for yeah. people to agree with them they're like looking to piss people off I I
1: think I think that type of, you know, looking at something like that, you know, and and being a confident person or feeling like I'm a confident person myself, you know, for the most part, looking at that, I would say that's more a reflection of that person, Um, you know, and, and I feel like, you know, I've been around enough people, I'm not that old, I'm 29 going on 30. God forbid. And, uh, and, you know, I've been around the block a few times in my limited (laughs) amount of years and it's not hard these days for me to recognize, you know, that type of behavior and be like, you know, Oh, that's that person. That's their issues. You know, that's their cry for help in their strange misguided way.
0: Right. Right. Well, so, you know, in that you know, you see people who uh, I remember of a an interview. It was Piers Morgan. I uh, was on some interview mm. with uh, some quote unquote plus size model in which um, she had. Mm. <laughs> she said to him, "She was like, you're not necessarily skinny yourself." And he goes, "Well, I'm six two and two hundred twenty pounds, and you're five four and three hundred eighty pounds." And, and she was like, "All right, but but I, I compare those two and say, you know, you do see just a." Yeah drastic mm-hmm. genetic difference in so many people. Um, and, and I remember I having an interview with my current coach, Larry McEwen, in, in which he was saying, you know, the biggest problem you kind of mentioned earlier is people look at these top tier athletes mm-hmm. who aren't, their body isn't composed like them. They're not the same mm-hmm. height. They're not the same weight. Most sure. of them are on steroids and the people that are looking are, are natural. And they assume mm-hmm. they're like, I want to train just like that person. I'm going to lose weight just like that person. And then when it doesn't happen, they're like, wait, why didn't I successfully do X, Y, Z? And so I wonder, you know, from your perspective, how much do you see genetics really having that integral role in someone actually finding success, either in uh, strength training or even in weight loss? And and you know, I was I was as funny you mentioned that I have been
1: watching a lot of I've been, I've become a real uh, Jocko fan lately. I've been I've been watching a lot of his stuff. I really identify with a lot of stuff he says. <laughs> And uh, one, of the, one of the YouTube clips I was watching of him was talking about that exactly. And, you know, you, you touch on genetics a little bit and it's like the, the social, social media kind of disingenuously conveys that everybody, like there's this pervasive idea that everybody is created equal And, and not to, not to like, not to sound like an asshole because, because I think the idea should be everybody has equal rights, right? Black, white, brown, purple, male, female, gay, straight, everybody should have equal rights, right? I'm all for that. Genetically, everybody is not created equal. Plain and simple. There are people that are Mm 6'10", and there are people that are 5'2". There are people with long femurs, short femurs, different muscle attachment points. Some people's brains are more intelligent than other people's. Like some people are capable. Some people are born geniuses. Some people have to work their ass off to get a bachelor's degree. Like we are not created equal. Does that mean you should not pursue your own potential in something you are passionate about to the highest degree possible, because it is a worthy pursuit? No. It does not mean that whatsoever. I am all for everyone chasing their own p- potential. What needs to be p- the reason that is not preached on social media is because if every influencer preached, "Hey, I have good genetics." You will never be able to look like me. You will be able you you will be able to look as good as you look. If every <laughs> right. influencer preached that, then they would not get their paycheck at the end of the day. You know, influencers in social right. media build their following and build a lot of their money on people who want to be and look like them. And and it like that like mm-hmm. that is that is it that is social media in health and fitness. For the most part, there are some gems mm-hmm. out there that don't preach that, and I I fucking applaud those people for being real with their audience.
0: Yeah, because I mean it's, it's a hard it's a hard medium because. On one side, you know, some of those people that are <clears throat> that, that have become such high influence, they built it off a specific sure. brand. Like they built uh, built it off uh-huh. something specific. I think of uh, <laughs> yeah. of Dom Mazzetti, you know, the whole, the bro science thing. You know, he, uh, which which is, is which is brilliant. And every guy who's between the the of <laughs> twelve Lambs and watched him religiously all the way through high school, uh, <laughs> but entered into college, uh, but mm-hmm. you know. He can't now change the brain. Like, he can't now be like, ah. Uh, like, he, that's not really He can't, me. you like, can't, I, I he, can't take, he can't take, he can't go
1: into, like, a video and not act like that. Like, he, he is stuck there. He is the brand. <gasps> right. Like he, he has walks- branded himself on basically <laughs> acting, like, not to talk negatively, like, I love him and I think it's funny, but he is branded, basically, the stereotypical Jim Bro douchebag, like, persona and look. And it's hilarious, but now he has to do that, like, unless he literally wants to rebrand himself entirely and create a new name altogether and go a completely different route and start, you know, change his name to John. Like, that's him, man. Don Mazzetti. That is him. That is his brand. Right. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And and he's that unapologetically. You know, it's awesome. And, and, you know, yeah. you've got someone like Dan Bilzerian who, like, he's a Playboy billionaire. Like, there's no – you're not going to see him yeah. that's just, like, casually going into a McDonald's yeah. and sitting in the corner eating a Big Mac. Like, it's just not him, which is fine. You know, people build their brands, mm-hmm. but you run into that, that hard situation with influencers. It's like when you get to that platform, it's almost hard yeah. to be like, shoot, mm-hmm. like, I really wanted to provide a different message.
1: Yeah, like, well, Well, I'll tell you one of the number one mistakes, one one of the number one mistakes I think people make on social media. And it's really, this is really difficult to do in some ways for some people, depending on what they preach and what their brand is. But people make themselves the brand that they create. So that way, the brand is reliant on them to produce and to be successful. So, so you know, if I create a brand, hint hint, wink, wink, and if I go and create a brand and I make myself the brand and it's called rhino blah blah blah, then that brand and the productivity of that brand is directly reliant on me. And if I get injured or I get hurt then the brand is going to probably take a downturn. If I'm not putting out videos and me hitting seven, 800 pound deadlifts on the reg. If, if you create a brand mm-hmm. that is separate from you, that can stand alone from you and be pushed and ran by other people and ran by someone else. And you don't, you know, you essentially are able to step out of the authority position with that seat takes some vulnerability then that brand can stand alone without you and you can still be involved and come and go as you please the problem is that in the fitness industry or in instagram you know self-promotion you know big lifts you know ton of money showing this showing that it's like the egos of most people are so huge that they do not want to be separate from that they don't want the brand to be able to stand alone from them because that is their ego. So it's like it takes a very mature person who understands all that when they create their brand to create it and brand it in such a way that it, that it isn't them 100%. It can reflect them in some ways, you know, but, but it, it needs to reflect something that can exist without them if they, if they have a long-term vision for it. And if they want it to be able to stand alone and all the pressure not fall on their shoulders.
0: Right. And, and I think of <clears throat> the person I think who, who did sure. that really, really well yeah, sure. um, is Chrissy May Cagney with Donuts and Deadlifts. that, that she, you know, everyone mm-hmm. knows, you know, she just, she left, she, you know, she handed it yep. off and I mean, she's yep. re- redoing a van with her husband and they're just going everywhere. And obviously, Jonas and Demlis is continued to to thrive, but it's just such a rare yeah. occurrence because it is just people's egos aren't going to let them like yeah. that. Yeah, they're they're, they're like no, they're, no, no no like this is yeah. how I got my They're too afraid my to attention. take their
1: face off the front that. page. Well, you know, it's 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 how they it's how they get their validation. Whatever you know. And and you know that, that that can be a really difficult thing for a lot of people, you know, especially, you know, especially if you, you know, become successful or whatever, you know, walking like having having the kind of fortitude and the confidence to, you know, do your own thing and live a peaceful life or walk away from something if you want to walk away from it is is really fucking difficult, man. And um and, and like for instance in, in Chrissy's You know, Chrissy's situation props to her for changing her vision and, you know, deciding that what she was doing may or may not, you know, be as fulfilling as she wanted to be or maybe her, you know, maybe her aim for what she wanted her life to be changed. And so because she had created in that such a way, she was able to hand it off. To someone else who was able to do a good job with it. And the brand had enough of an identity on its own and maybe, you know, had enough of a following on its own that it wasn't like, okay, Chrissy's gone, so like, um, yeah, screw this. You know. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, so that's kind of where the industry's at now. Um, but I wonder kind of looking ahead, you know, to the future, um, obviously you're Mm -hmm. You know, we got to chat privately that you're Mm -hmm. branching out and and looking on to Mm -hmm. to see what the future holds for you. So I wonder, first part of the question, you know, what's next for the Rhino? You know, what's next for you? And the second thing, I mean, like, what do you see as being next for the industry? Like, Where do you see... The powerlifting industry
1: and the fitness industry going in the future oh man that's a loaded question (laughs) (laughs) oh man um so so for everyone (laughs) listening to this i you know i could probably silence a lot of questions by saying that i am moving forward from hybrid um i'm still maintaining a lot of most of my relationships within hybrid and i love all them to death and uh you know i i will probably still drop in from time to time and train with everybody As far as me, you know, I am likely to open my own brand soon. And uh, the website is under construction. You know, things will start to be slowly announced on my social media as things develop further. And, you know, I'm kind of looking to explore the space because now the possibilities are really pretty endless for me. Um, You know, I, I have a pretty good network. I know a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty excited to just kind of do my thing, travel around, do collaborations, meet new people, hit big lifts. You know, I'm pretty pumped for that. And literally things for a lot of people, as well as for me are literally changing on like a daily to weekly basis, you know, as, as I have different conversations with different people, some big people in the industry, some little people in the industry, some medium sized people in the industry, um, You know, it's just like when you put yourself out there, (laughs) it can be, it can, it can be, there can be a lot of anxiety, but there, there's a lot of opportunity as well. And it's just like, you know, Mm -hmm. if, if you, you know, if you're not afraid of a little bit of risk, then, you know, there's a lot to gain and there's a lot of experience to be had and a lot of memories to be made. And so, you know, for me, the possibilities are pretty endless right now. And I'm pretty excited to kind of explore this, this new horizon um, as far as powerlifting in general the gym situation yeah. like that's gonna, that kind of remains to be seen man i think a lot of a lot of people are sitting back in their armchairs with popcorn yeah. just kind of waiting to see what happens because if phase 1 ends with covid and people start going back to gyms and people start doing shit you know people start doing things in public they're like is there going to be a second wave probably will it be as big as the first who knows you know so a lot of people are kind of sitting back with their popcorn like nobody really in the fitness space in the social media space nobody can really afford to not be productive so everyone i know like yourself is trying to squeeze any and all amount right. of productivity they can out of the current situation but right now most people i know are playing damage control right. and trying you know and trying to just prevent loss as opposed to really mm-hmm. drive gain, and so you know, it it everybody I know is training in an off season right now. I'm training in an off season. There aren't too like I know some people that are yeah. starting meat preps right now in anticipation of scheduled dates for competitions in the fall. You know, I'm not I'm not doing that yet because I'll like you know if you're if you're a, a you know a four like a. Anywhere below a 500 Wilkes or 450 Wilkes or whatever, and you can go into a meat prep and, you know, with less planning and you can kind of go in and out of one and it's not, it's not too intense of a process. You know, I would say that's probably an okay thing, an okay bet for someone like that. Once you get, you know, above a 500, 530 Wilkes, like, you know, for me, if, if I'm pushing a 2050 or 2100 total, like the specifics as far as what meet I do, when and where, what I know I have going on in my life at that time, cumulatively, like in business and work, you know, relationships, travel, that sort of thing. Like if I do a meet, I need like three months that I know shit is not going on to to push another 50 to 100 pounds on my total. And so right. there's so much uncertainty right now especially with me, you know, pushing forward to, to get, you know, something stable created that, that I'm not going to set a date for my next competition yet. I'm kind of just, wait. I would love to compete in the fall or late fall if I were yeah. able to start, you know, if I were able to start a meet prep around like maybe July or August, that would be awesome, right around my 30th birthday, knock on wood, um, that would be awesome do I know if that'll happen? I have no idea. Cause if we go back, if we come out of quarantine for a month and then go back into quarantine, then it's like, all right, you know, then shit's really going to hit the fan and nobody's going to be buying shit and nobody's going to be going anywhere or doing anything. And we're really going to be in a depression. And that's mm-hmm. when I hope people, you know, don't have a lot of money invested and they have liquid funds available and they have, you know, a plan B. Luckily for me, you know, I have a backup plan. You know, I can go get a nursing gig any day of the week if I want. Do I want to do that? I don't don't miss the 13-hour shifts, to be honest. You know, I I don't want to be suited up and taking care of COVID patients. (laughs) Are they paying really fucking handsomely for that? Yeah, they are. I could go to New York probably in three days if I wanted to. You know, so, so I think a lot just remains to be seen, man. I would love to see, you know, I would love for all this shit to go away and for meets to start happening again. You know, I don't do, I think that's going to be the case, uh, probably like 70%, no 30%. Yes. You know, I think every, I think right now is a great opportunity for everybody to kind of sit back and reevaluate. But I think this is an opportunity and it's causing a lot of people to sit back reevaluate their lives consider their priorities consider if they're happy or not you know in their current situations like I feel like you know what it, what is the I heard a quote from someone that that divorce attorneys are up like <laughs> the, the business is you know people are either having babies or getting divorced yeah it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm over here in, in my freaking studio and my girlfriend's halfway across the world right. stuck in Australia and the borders are closed. And I'm just like, shit, man. Like I'm over here just playing some Call of Duty Zombies, like trying to, trying, trying to get a new brand created, man. Hell, right. So tough, man.
0: And it is. I mean, it's it's a tough time, and I know. Um, you know, like I. So right now, yeah, I, I told yeah, oh yeah, I started working on finally getting around to getting my CPT. Um, and, in the midst of of college i kept saying hey i'll get to it i'll get to it i was like no i needed to graduate now i can like actually focus and so like for me yeah like it's been a yeah. time where i've found productivity and i've found an opportunity to like because i have nothing but time i can't go anywhere um and mm-hmm. so you know on the mm-hmm. front end mm-hmm. it was damn like i'm losing graduation i'm losing collegiate nationals da 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 you can later, do was, you like,
1: can do so yeah, much with it because there's literally no I excuse to not like It's 2020. There's no excuse anyone has to not learn or know more or gain a new skill that they could at any point in their lives when you got friends bugging you to come over. You got to entertain people. People are trying to go out on the weekends. It's like nobody's doing anything right now. If you're creative, you can literally learn about anything you want. You have the Internet, man. I'll, I'll tell you straight up, I've wanted to play guitar my whole entire exactly. life. Exactly. I've been a metalhead since I was like 12 years old. And I always, I always told myself like, ah, oh, you know, one day when I have less going on, I'll do <laughs> that, man. You know, I was one of those someday kind of people with this specifically. And the other day it was like, dude, it was like three or four days ago. I was like, I was on YouTube. I watch, you know, instrumental videos. Like I play YouTube sometimes to listen to to guitarists when I'm training and stuff. I was watching this video of this uh, software. It was a song that I wanted to listen to. But it said like the song, someone was playing it in this thing called Rocksmith. And I looked at it and I was like, wait, is this, this is like, what is this? And I Googled it and I looked at it and it was Guitar Hero, but you plug in a guitar to it and you can play your real electric guitar, learning how to play it with basically guitar here on the TV. And I fucking loved that game in college. Dude, I, liter- I literally went on Amazon like 30 minutes later and bought a That's sick-ass awesome. like black matte Flying V guitar. And, dude, it was, a, it was like a badass $700 or $800, <laughs> $800 guitar. Awesome. And I'm literally going to learn to play the shit out of that thing in the next month or two. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, and that's what you got
0: to do. Like, that's that's taking the initiative that a lot of people don't because it's so easy to be like, "Oh my god!" Like, I guess I've been meaning to watch all 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy, you know. And so it's just that makes me want to.
1: There, there are people like that, that and that literally makes me want to stick my head in the toilet and flush it. (laughs)
0: dude right it's the work because i'm like i just can't imagine how depressed i'd be if i was just sitting here watching netflix yeah. you know the first yeah. week you're like all right like cool i got to catch up on some tv dude, or something it, cool, it, whatever but then a week later the, like, and, and it's like, like
1: productive you're sometimes like, oh, if you're you really burnt out from doing a lot of shit i don't look i don't like condemn tv marathons we've all done it at some point in time you know but like if you binge watch multiple seasons of something over the course of like a week two three four weeks looking back on that it's like i used maybe i could have done that in college you know when i didn't have a whole lot of shit going on but like if i did that now, like i don't think i could do it i would get like three or four episodes in sure and i would be like shit that was just four hours of my life (laughs) that was just four hours imagine if i put four hours into reading about like you know metabolism or or insulin sensitivity or if i just you know did you know four hours and clean my like you know i'm just i think that productive self-motivated self-driven people like it's really difficult to do that unless you're just so burnt out from doing shit the other 20 hours of the day it's like oh man like i i i don't i can't do that anymore i can't even play like i'm a big video game guy man i can't even like, I can't even, I wouldn't say I can't find the time to play video games, but it's just, like, the 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 end result of it isn't good enough for me to put the time in. Because it's, like, after, like, it might be fun initially for an hour, but it's, like, I know in the back of my right. mind that after I beat the thing, I'm going to look at, I'm going to type slash time played, and it's going to say, like, it's going to say, like, three days and 27 hours total time played and i'm gonna be like oh and all high of anything right. that happened while i was playing it's it just gonna go out the window yep
0: well i heard when yeah. i so when they shifted all of our uh classes online you know for the semester um you know i'm sitting there on microsoft teams with my audio muted my <laughs> video covered you know just Somewhat listening, I'll have to lie, I wasn't listening, but you know, present present in the class. And I was like, you know what? I waited eight years to play GTA yeah. five. I never got it because I thought it was stupid, but it's fifteen bucks on the PS store. I was like, I'm just gonna do it. And I burned I burned through that thing in like two weeks. Yeah. And I looked back and I thought to myself, yeah. I just wasted two weeks. Playing yeah. this
1: game it, and I've never it's, get that time back. It's it's good to be just, aware. Yeah, Will it probably happen again just, for both of us at yeah, some point apply. in time? For sure, probably. But it's good to be aware and it's good to like put a limit for on.
0: Sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh man.
0: Like I saw the trailer for uh the new Assassin's Creed. Game yeah. Right. In December. And I was, is that going to be I on like, PS5? Yeah, drop five hundred bucks on a PS5. No, <laughs> no
1: shit. I, know. I knew they were coming out with one soon, but I—I I, like, yeah, was aware of it, but I haven't really had time to follow it. But I still like check in every now and then. But yeah, man, fuck, shit. I better put five hundred bucks away. Yeah, shit. Well, dude, yeah. I bet so I would not be surprised if all those companies are launching shit right now because they literally know that people are buying everything to stay occupied inside their houses. Like cer- certain businesses, um, shout out to uh, my steak exactly. sponsor, Certified exactly. Piedmontese. If you want a bunch of badass steaks, go check them out from my, from my Instagram profile. They are killing it right now because there is shit for steak and meat products in supermarkets right now and and I'm like you know I was talking with uh, the girl I liaise with this week and she was like dude we're we're at a bottle deck right now we have so many orders coming in and facilities like you know to, to process our product like are half staffed and you know some of them are shut down and we have like a drastic boom in business and you know that uh, online food companies you know online meat delivery companies gym equipment companies, video game companies, Amazon, like everything online is killing it right now. Everything in person is shutting down or going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. You know. Well, so kind of, as we kind of wrap up on the back end, I've got two questions I ask uh, everybody I have. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you know, because I, Obviously, I can talk for hours on the fitness side of things, but uh, so, someone pointed out to me recently, and uh-huh. they are like, you know, in the first two seasons of your show, at no point did you ever bring up food. And they're like, oh, sure, like, every intro, you brought up late night meals, and you never asked anything about it. So I was like, all okay. right, all right, all right, all right like, I'll, I'll bring it up. So my first question, that'll be the last thing I'll ask you. But so my, my first question, I ask everybody, um, and I never presume anything, but I'm always curious, you know, for yourself in your own, you know, life outlook in your training. I wonder what role if any your own personal faith or religious views have played in Oh, into that's anything, a good question, man. You know, um, even in your drive. I was ra-
1: I was raised personally in a Christian household. I still I still kind of maintain, you know, some of those beliefs, you know. I can't I can definitely say that like certain things have been more or less diluted by personal experiences. With, with people that I know who say they have certain religious views and sure. act like complete assholes. Um, I'm sure we've all, you know, been around our own share of self-righteous people. Right. <laughs> I would say, like, for me, you know, probably one of the biggest governing principles in, in my life is that I seek to reach my fullest potential as a human being. And I want, I want to do that in a way that on my deathbed, when mm-hmm. I look back at my life, I want to have zero regrets. And that means doing things in such a way that I'm proud of it yeah. and that I, I maintain my self-respect, I'm proud of it, and I can look at myself in the mirror. I made a post about this recently. I can look at myself in the mirror and look at myself straight and be proud of the person that I am. So that goes from training to business, to friendships, to relationships, to family, to everything that involves saying things that need to be said that involves, you know, not being able, not being afraid to say those things that, that involves apologizing to people that involves, you know, doing the shit on the days that I don't want to do it. That involves being disciplined that involves, you know. Being the bigger person that involves, you know, all those things like I have principles and I have goals that I've set for myself as to the type of person that I want to be that I have modeled off of certain things and certain people, certain people or even characters and TV shows or books that have like heavily influenced me that like I've seen and I say I want to be like that. And I've met people and I have had experience with people and I've said I do not and been on the receiving ends of things and I've said I do not want to be like that. And I would say that I'm fortunate enough at 29 years old going on 30 that I feel like I have a pretty damn good idea of who I am as a person and my identity and how I like to do and how I'm going to make my best effort to do things moving forward.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really good answer because I, you know, I've and I, and I hear such a, a variety, you know, because I'm I'm interviewing anyone from a nutrition company to you know elite athletes to guys who are top tier, but no one's ever heard of them. You know, you can imagine I get a very vast, you know, answers, but you know the common theme is really yeah, just trying to achieve. You know, that mm. that personal feeling of, hey, you know, I died, yeah. you know, knowing I did everything I could, you know, to make the world a better place. Mm. And I think that's ultimately what it's about. You know, if you you, mm. you could preach religion, you could preach, mm. you know, whether it's is yep. Islam, Buddhism, Christianity, no whatever until you know your face turns blue, but if you're a dick, no one's gonna mm. listen to you, you know? Um, so I think that's such a good point. Mm. Well, so, last question I got for you, uh, considering that French toast is last <laughs> uh we talk breakfast food. I'm a huge breakfast food guy. I know I can eat it at any point during the day and I will never feel oh. bad about it. It'll always be the go-to cheat meal. When you think
1: All right. So, I'm a big food, I'm a big sweet versus salty guy. If I've eaten a lot of salty food, I know I'm going to need something sweet very soon. Right. If I've eaten a bunch of sweet food, I know I'm going to have to eat something salty soon. Like like I flip between those paradigms. Like that, like I can kind of predict what I'm going to want to eat next based on my last few meals, based on that little dichotomy. There's a place that is about a hundred meters away. I live in Midtown in Miami and I can walk about a hundred, 200 meters down to this breakfast place and they have a French toast that has like a raspberry jam on the top that is filled with like a cream cheese kind of filling and like they put a blueberry syrup on top and like sweet breakfast food that thing kills me every time and when we're not in a pandemic and the pool deck on my building is open i will eat that and i've done this before and i'm not giving permission for my nutrition clients to do this because i don't do this frequently but i will go there i will eat the shit out of that thing and i will come back to my pool on a sunday and I will lay there on the pool deck and hate myself for an hour. And then I I will get up and I will go walk on the treadmill until I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I only, I do not do that very frequently though. That is like a once every That's few awesome. months kind of thing just to remind myself why I don't eat that kind of food. And, uh, you know, usually with a good friend right. involved and then we have a lot of self depreciating humor right. jokes during it and then whatever. And then, for usually, like my sweet meal, that's usually what it like. Like I've done that from time to time, or I'll just do like a healthier, like a waffles and eggs, and like a green smoothie, or salty. I'll usually do steak and eggs, man. Big steak and eggs guy. I like steak, like a like a nice CP, a certified P steak. Uh, I'll do like three or four eggs, and then I'll take. I, I'm a big microwave potato guy. Like I love potatoes, sweet potatoes, white potatoes, red potatoes. It's so easy to just keep a bag of potatoes and you can pop one or two, three of them in the microwave for like six to eight minutes and it cooks them super quickly and about as good as you could cook them in the oven. And I'll eat steak, eggs and potatoes and I'll, you know, throw that with like maybe I'll wilt some spinach or something and like that is about, you know, as satiating as you can get, I feel like.
0: I remember uh, last mm-hmm. year, I uh, I took a girl on a date, you know, Cracker mm-hmm. Barrel, because I knew it was going to go well either way, because I was going to love the food, or I was going to love the date, or both. And, you know, it's it's early that morning, I think it was like 7.30, and, you know, she orders a classic, whatever, and I go, yeah, can I get a steak and eggs? And this girl looked at me, she was like, it's 7.30 in you, the morning. Did you follow that out? You <laughs> I was like, I don't I'm I was like, i got to get something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, honestly, I should have. <laughs> you well, could you could, could literally just look at her and, her and say, hey, ask her that question, and if she gives you a look um, back, you literally just stand up, slide your chair in, and walk away. No words said. <laughs> oh shit!
0: I, well, I'll tell you what: there wasn't a second date, so you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> so sure. So there may
0: have been a direct correlation
1: between if you, you can't, being like, you know what? Then <laughs> we that's that 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 <laughs> tells you, you all you need to to know about compatibility right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, folks, you heard it here first. This has been uh, just a great conversation with Ian Daniel. You can find him on Instagram at Ian the Rhino. Uh, you can find both companies that work with him, BSN Supplements and Certified Piedmontese, uh, on Instagram as well. Watch this space uh, as he continues to find ways to be productive um, and, and achieve greatness in the midst of the adversity the world is facing right now. Um, big things coming from this guy. This is already big Thank you, Moses. stuff on the front end. There's so much more to come. That was really I good, man. I like that. Next time. Hey, y'all. If you love that episode and you're craving a little bit more, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast. Or visit us at anchor.fm forward slash Moses Allwood for full interviews, trailers, and more for the upcoming season. We've got an action-packed list of guests lined up for the coming months, so don't forget to turn on your post notifications on Instagram and stay connected on your platform of choice to be the first to hear of new guests and early episode releases. But with that, thanks as always for listening. I'm Moses Allwood. I'll see you next week.